Thank you, Brian. Well, as I mentioned earlier today, we continue our series, A Beautiful Life, Jesus, based on excerpts from Mark's Gospel. And uh, over the next several weeks, we now turn uh, our attention to the journey of Jesus as he makes his way uh, to the cross and then ultimately Easter Sunday. And so let me invite you to turn or launch your Bibles to Mark uh, chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. And we're going to to read this passage. And um, so this passage in Mark, the way Mark flows, happens right after um, what we call in the church Palm Sunday, okay? Uh, In John, it happens right before uh, we're going to take it right before since next week is Palm Sunday, if you didn't figure that out. So uh, we're taking it slightly out of order as Mark's gospel uh, reads, but I, I think we can flex and stretch that way. Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 11, reads like this. Now the Passover and festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. This is the word of God for the people of God. This past week I came across two jarring, yet in their own way, beautiful stories out of Ukraine that caught my attention In the first, three entertainers, one dressed as Batman, one dressed as Spider-Man, and another dressed as a pink bunny. I can't figure out the pink bunny part, right? Uh, They, as you can see on the video uh, behind me there or on your screen at home, uh, they went into a bomb shelter to entertain children. And uh, the story said that just for a moment, just for a moment there, the children were like, they forgot all that was happening around them, and they had that moment there in a bomb shelter Uh, being entertained. The other story was from a few weeks ago as members of the Kiev Classic Symphony Orchestra gathered outside in a square with the evidence of the war all around them and they played a concert. And this concert featured uh, Ukrainian folk songs and get this, it featured a song from Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, Ode to Joy. And they finished with Ukrainian National Anthem as people shouted in their language, Glory to Ukraine. Right after the concert, uh, air raid sirens went off and people scattered. Amazing, interesting images. Both stories paint a picture of life and love and joy emerging even as death and destruction and evil is all around them. When you step back and you take a look at our text from a big picture point of view, this is what we see. 
We see in this text the beginnings of the conspiracy of history that will lead to the death of Jesus, the Son of God. It's the conspiracy of history. And we see an extravagant, extraordinary, beautiful act of love, of gratitude, and of adoration just lavished upon Jesus, who is the very essence of life. And just like hearing a symphony in a war zone, we see amazing contrast in this passage. So one of the contrasts that we can see right away is this extravagant generosity versus contrasted with selfish gain. Let's turn our attention to the woman in the story for a moment. We don't know very much about her at all. There's another story in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, of a sinful woman who anointed the feet of Jesus and then dried them with her hair, but we should not conflate those two stories. And then John tells us that Jesus was anointed at Bethany by Mary, the sister of uh, Lazarus and Martha, so maybe it was her. But what we do know is Mark allows her to stay anonymous. And maybe he allows her to stay anonymous because that way we can see ourselves being extravagant with Jesus and not just people named in the Bible. So she takes this very expensive alabaster jar of perfume, or what was called nard oil. Now, this was a very expensive oil worth a year's wages. It was not only an expensive oil for her, it was an essential oil to her. She had to show her love, her adoration, her gratitude for Jesus. Now, we don't know exactly why she did this. David Garland, who's this fantastic New Testament professor, wrote the comment, one of the commentaries on Mark that I use for this series. He asked sort of in her mind, is she anointing the Messiah and crowning him to set him apart for office? In the Old Testament, kings were anointed in private, and it sometimes signaled a revolt. Maybe she hopes it is time for God to intervene in the affairs of Israel with this king, if this was her intention. How ironic is it that a woman, not a priest, not an authorized prophet, anoints Jesus in the home of a leper? I would say not only how ironic, but how fitting. And a year's worth of wages. A year's worth of wages. Let that number roll through your mind alone. Just the sum is extravagant. When is the last time you've given an extravagant gift to Jesus? When is the last time you gave to Jesus sacrificially and radically? Or have you ever? By the way, don't confuse extravagance with amounts. Yes, this was a year's worth of wages. But there's another woman in the Bible that Jesus praised for her generosity, for her extravagance, and it was the widow who gave two small coins. She gave all that she had, which is why Jesus held her up as praiseworthy. This reminds us that when Jesus looks at our extravagant generosity, when he considers generosity, that Jesus doesn't count, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six years wages. No, Jesus weighs, right? Weighs the sacrifice. That's generosity in the Bible. When sacrifice is weighed, how much did this cost you to give? Let me suggest another way to see extravagance. And maybe this is a stretch, 
But this just hit me for the first time with this reading. A year's worth of wages. A year's worth of wages. It makes you wonder, how long did it take her to save up a year's worth of wages? How long do you think it might take you? Or maybe she inherited the money with which she bought the nard and it represented her tie to her family or she inherited the nard. What would you do with an inheritance of a year's salary? Would you buy a new car? Take a long vacation? Put it toward a bigger, newer home? Saved or inherited, this kind of money represented a part of her past story. If it was savings, it represented hard work, perhaps years of hard work. If it was an inheritance, it represented family ties, a heritage. In this way, in a very real way, she gave Jesus. She poured out on Jesus part of her story, part of her history, part of her past. Have you given your past to Jesus? Have you cracked it open and poured it out so that he can heal you from your past wounds. I heard someone say this past week that the mission field of the church of today is the mission field of people in trauma. So many people are wounded. So many people are suffering. So many people are dealing with guilt and shame. So many people are dealing with the psychological impact of, of uh, the last two years of a pandemic. And we, when we read in Scripture, we read about this beautiful life of Jesus. We read that Jesus saves in the way we always talk about Jesus saves. But you know what you read about more in, his, in Scripture? Jesus heals. Jesus heals. You know, I wonder if anybody would ever hold up a sign at a football game that says Jesus heals instead of Jesus saves. They're both true. But Jesus heals have you ever considered the state of your heart lately? Have you cracked it open and confessed your sins before God? Have you released your sins into the care of Jesus and asked for forgiveness? Have you let him release you from the grip of guilt? I invite you to release your past into his hands today. Pour your past over him. Of course, this extravagant generosity is set against the selfish gain of the chief priest and Judas. The chief priest wanted Jesus off the scene. He was becoming too popular. He was a threat to their selfish, self-giving hold on power. And Judas essentially sold him out for 30 pieces. 30 pieces of silver, which in today's dollars is worth about $200. Can you imagine selling Jesus out for $200? Down through the ages, people have pondered Judas's motive. Why did he do it? Some say he was a thief and he was greedy. Others say he was a revolutionary wannabe. And he was just getting really impatient with all this mercy and forgiveness and all this teaching of, of Jesus. Again, Mark doesn't give us a lot of detail. We don't know why Judas betrayed Jesus according to Mark. Maybe he doesn't give us all the detail because maybe we would say, oh, I would never do that. Oh, I would never do this. Maybe Mark wants us to wrestle with our loyalty to Jesus and do business with the potential that we all may have a little Judas in us at times when it comes to Jesus. 
The woman chose Jesus over her treasure. Let me say that again. This beautiful life, this Savior, this Redeemer, this Healer, this Teacher, this Lord, this God, this King, she chose Him over her treasure. Judas and the chief priest chose power and money over Jesus. Will you choose Jesus over your treasure today? A contrast, a symphony of extravagance in a backdrop of selfish gain. And then there's the, the contrast of, this, of, of, of two sort of ways to look at the world, if you will. And there's this mindset of abundance and this mindset of scarcity. Let's go back to our story. This woman gives this extravagant gift to Jesus, and she stirs the ire of the disciples. They think her display of adoration, they think her display of love, her display of worship, her display of gratitude is just over the top, and it's just too much. You know, sometimes when people get fanatical about Jesus, somebody is going to be around to say, you know, it's just a little much. You know, can't we just have a little bit of Jesus? Right, Brian? No joke. In a church I served once, there was this young lady who was in worship, and, and she was so captured in worship that she raised her hands and she lifted them high to the heavens, which is not an unusual expression in the church. Maybe not everybody did that, but not unusual. And she told me that an older lady came up to her and said, Honey, we don't do that. Can you imagine saying that to somebody? Can you imagine saying to somebody, hey, you're just too much for Jesus here? It started here, right? It happened here. The disciples rebuked the woman. The Greek word for rebuke is the same word used to describe how forcefully Jesus called Lazarus from the tomb. It was the, the same word used for a snorting horse, okay? If you get that image there. So put this together. The disciples lit her up for showing adoration and love and devotion to Jesus. You know, it's interesting when you think about this. It says she broke it open and poured it over. That when she considered this beautiful life, this Redeemer friend, Lord, Healer, Savior, can you imagine when she took in all of who he was? Can you imagine her carefully opening a little bit and then say, okay, I'm going to give Jesus a drop. I'm going to give Jesus just a day's worth of this essential oil, a day's worth of my year's There's no way you can give just a day's worth to Jesus, can we? If you ever want to see a picture of the teaching of Jesus saying, if anyone would come after me, he would take up his cross and follow me. Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would, 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 would keep and hold on to his or her life, they'll lose it. But if you'll give it all away, you find it. This is the picture. That's her story. Her story is she gave it all. And you know what? That is is the picture 
and the story that Jesus wants for each one of us. Not that we would say, hey, Jesus, here's just a little bit. Jesus wants it all. He wants it all. That great old hymn, I Surrender All, it would have never made it into the hymn book if it said, I Surrender Part. All to Jesus, I Surrender a day. It would have never made it. I Surrender All. She did. Right here. And what did Jesus say? He said, she has done a beautiful thing that will be remembered for all time, wherever the gospel is preached. Can you imagine Jesus saying that about you? He or she has done a beautiful thing. She may have poured a year's worth of salary on his head, but her witness and legacy of adoration lasted and has lasted for over 2,000 years. She's a pretty smart investor. The disciples are frustrated because they believe the perfume could have been used, sold and used to feed the poor. And you know, Jesus is always telling them, you know, feed the poor, feed the poor. He told, they heard him tell the rich man, hey, sell everything you have and give to the poor. So they're just thinking, okay, you said this over here. You know, if you want to come up and follow me, sell everything you have, give to the poor. But now you're saying, hey, no, 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 let her give it all here. Let her give it all here. Is Jesus saying, don't worry about the poor? Is Jesus saying, don't worry about the poor because they're always going to be with you? And you know what? The little bit you can do is not going to make a difference anyway because they're always going to be poor and there's always going to be a lot of poor people and they're always going to be here. So don't worry about the poor. Is Jesus saying that? No. I didn't hear you. This is one of those once-in-a-Scripture moments. There are a few of those, right? It's just once-in-a-Scripture moment. They will both have the time and resources to take care of the poor in the days ahead. We read in the book of Acts that the early church, these very disciples took care of the poor. They tended to the sick and they fed the hungry. They sold fields and pulled their money together. The early church of Jesus may have been the first group health insurance program. They took care of the poor. And they knew that's what he wanted them to do. But this was a tender moment. Jesus was on his way to die. He had days to live. If you remember back at the beginning of this series, we, we covered this idea that Jesus said, hey, listen, don't fast while the bridegroom is with you. There will be a day when he is not here. This is in the line of that teaching. It was the last chance to show this kind of love and this kind of adoration to Jesus while he was alive on earth, this side of the resurrection. By the way, his entire journey to the cross, also known as the passion, this is the only time, the only time anybody showed him an act of love. This is it. None other. Judas kissed him, but that was betrayal. This is it. It's a once in a scripture moment. 
The disciples had a mindset of scarcity. If you use this money on anointing Jesus, then there will not be enough to feed the poor. Now remember, they were with him when he called down loaves and fish from heaven to feed 5,000. They were with him when Jesus turned jars of water into jugs of wine and not the cheap stuff either. They came from a heritage in which God called down manna from heaven. They were with the one who said, I came to give you life to the full. I came to give you life abundant. God is not limited by our lack of imaginative faith. God is not. God doesn't look at us and say, oh, well, they used up this money on this expression of adoration and worship, so I guess we just won't feed the poor today. Woe is the person or church who dares to limit what God can do. God will always, always, always provide for his work in the world. And God will bless those people and those churches who live with an open hand and trust God to provide for what he calls them to do. I always like to say a mindset of scarcity, right, lives with a a, a closed hand, clutching hand. That's a mindset of of, of scarcity. A mindset of abundance lives open-handed toward God, ready to release into the world and into the hands of God that which God has given. And you know what? When you live with open hands, you're in a position to do what? Give and receive. You can't receive like that, can you? but you can receive like that. So there's just this clash of mindsets, clash of, of worldviews, if you will, the mindset of abundance versus a mindset of scarcity. And then lastly, and, and this is not so much a contrast, but I, I did want us to see it. I wanted us to, to get this today. There's immediate and future impact. The woman anointed Jesus out of love and gratitude. She didn't realize that she was anointing him for his burial. But Jesus did and told his disciples that that was what was going on. He knew he was going to die in such a way that there would not be an opportunity to anoint his body. In the resurrection accounts, we know that the women went to the tomb to anoint his body, but he had already been raised from the dead. This was it. This was the anointing. It had both an immediate, in the moment, and a future impact. It was not only a lack of, of, uh, an act, excuse me, of love in that moment. It was an act of honor and love and worship for the days ahead. And it was a witness that would last throughout the ages, wherever the gospel is preached. She didn't break open the oil that day, that moment with the idea that we would know it on the other side of the world 2,000 years later. She didn't do it thinking about the future. She did it in the moment. You never know when you may be acting now for Jesus in such a way that has enormous consequences and impact in the future for Christ. I think of all the Sunday school teachers that taught me as an elementary kid, 
They didn't know that one day that God would call me to preach the gospel and that I would spend over three decades preaching the gospel. Matter of fact, they probably wouldn't have suggested that that's what God was going to do with my life. They were probably hoping I would just get out of the sixth grade and get out of their, their class. But I remember them today. And I can call them by name. Don Smith, Joan and Leroy Parrish, Barbara Mooney, and Philip Witt, just to name a few. If you ever want to think now and future, volunteer for the children's ministry. You never know when you're preparing a lesson or a video like Sarah does every week for us when a kid may hear that lesson and it has impact for decades and decades and decades. You want to touch the future for the gospel, get downstairs. You never know. You never know when an act of kindness may just be that one act of kindness for someone that they commit their life to showing mercy and kindness from that point forward. You've heard those stories. You never know when when someone goes on a mission trip or, or serves on mission right here, whether it's out on the sidewalk or out at the carpenter's shelter or across the world, when they may just dedicate their world view to telling others about Jesus, whether as a missionary or as a missionary in the workplace on their job. You never know when an encouraging word to a coworker may be that one word that kept them from falling into a time of deep despair. You never know. We're called to be obedient and faithful in the moment, and you never know what God's going to do in the future. She did this in this moment. And we're reading about it today. We offer ourselves up to God in the moment. We trust God with the impact that God wants to make with our offering now and in the future. What a story. An amazing story of love, of adoration, a story of contrast. Our Lord is worthy of our extravagant generosity. I invite you this morning to be generous with Jesus. I invite you to trust him as the God of abundance and not scarcity. And just watch what God does now and in the future. Amen? Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful for the way that you, Lord, just unfold the faith in front of us, the way that you teach us through these these stories, Lord, that happened in your life. Lord, for the witness of this woman that we're reading about still today, oh God, thank you so much. Thank you for letting us see what it means to be extravagant and sacrificial and just to adore you. Lord, you are worthy Jesus is worthy of all of our adoration and our praise and our offering. God, thank you so much for filling us up. Thank you, God, for giving us all we need. Your spiritual grace is to be faithful, to be whole, 
Lord, thank you for giving us the spiritual gifts of mercy and generosity. Lord, you give us so much, we can only turn and worship you. Lord, I pray that you would take this word that, that we have shared today. Lord, let it fall deeply into our hearts. And Lord, let it nourish us and bring us closer to you. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior and our friend. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to prepare our hearts for communion and to, to meet with Jesus now in this time of remembering him. And it, it, it doesn't escape me that as we just talked about this great story of this woman pouring out this, this incredible perfume, years worth of wages, onto Jesus, that there would be even a greater story coming, right? And Jesus going to the cross and pouring out something even of greater worth, of infinite worth, his blood to save us from our sins, to heal us from our hurts. What a powerful foreshadowing of the way that he would pour out himself for us. We can be extravagant with Jesus because he was first extravagant with us. I invite you to prepare your heart for communion. Mm-hmm.